You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. In uh, honor of God's word, can we all uh, stand and read together? Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as mourning before Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed, evildoers, not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And the book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasure possessions, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once again you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is, the coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that you will leave them neither neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Herob for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great An awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. You may be seated. If you're visiting uh, with us, you should have received one of of these bulletins. (laughs) I have three of them up here. I think each week I leave them up here. Feel free to, to let us know how we can pray for you. We do pray every Tuesday. You can fill that out on the little tear-off thing and then put it in a box. Let us know how, how you found out about us. Uh, again, any of the boxes that you pass on the wall or, or in the cafe area, you can, drop, you can drop that off in there. Before we get into this, I just want to give you another heads up. In the next sermon series that's coming up, I will be using the New American Standard updated version. Uh, I, I'll tell you, next week I'll tell you why and, and for reasons why, why I want to do that, but I'm just giving you a heads up uh, that next week you may, you may notice some things that are a little different with, if you're using the ESV uh, with, with the Bible that I'm, I'll be preaching from. So I'll talk more about that next week. Uh, ESV is, the ESV is a great translation. I've been using it for 20 years, and I just want to do something a little different this time. So We are in the last part of Malachi. I've been looking forward to preaching on Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, since we started this series. This is the most Wyoming verse in the Bible, I think. Uh, don't you think so? Like, hey, those, you know, when, when the Son of Righteousness rises with healing in its wings, we'll go out. Literally, the, the NIV and the New American Standard updated version says it uses the word frolic instead of leaping. We'll go out and we'll frolic like calves released from the stall. I can't think of a better Wyoming passage in the Bible than that one. 
uh, for this city slicker who's been like living around big cities most of my life. I've been, I've been longing for this. So, so it will take us a little, a little bit to get there, but we'll begin in verse 13. And this is what we see. I, I, when, I was, when I was working on this passage, I couldn't help but, but think of these comparisons of these two types of individuals. For all of Malachi, right? For all of Malachi, all the way up until verse 16, the God pointed out uh, the, the flaws of these people. And these people, these Hebrew people, responded with you know, criticism in the form of questions. Like, I have loved you, declares you know, Yahweh. And their response was, well, how have you loved us? And then, you know, and, you, you, your words are weary to me. Well, how, uh, how are our words weary to you? Or how, how is our worship weary to you? Uh, because of the way you're treating one another. Uh, you despise my name. I mean, like all through Malachi, all the way up until chapter 3, verse 16, it is, uh, you people are a mess. You're a mess. You say you want to worship me, but your hearts aren't in it. You're, you, you, you're not engaged in worship with me. You're, you take your, when, when it comes to the sacrifice, you take the least or you take the, 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 the worthless and you offer that on the altar. You wouldn't even do that for your governor, but you do that, you do that for me. Expecting that I'm going to honor that. That's all the way up to verse 16. Verse 16, there's a, there's a shift where we we read about these people who actually fear the Lord. So the, the encouraging thing here is just before we even get into it, the encouraging thing here is that there's always a remnant. There's always there's always a group that God is moving and working in. You, like you look at our country and maybe you're feeling a bit of anxiety over what's happening uh maybe you're feeling some anxiety over the presidential candidates or the lack thereof of quality candidates or whatever it is you're wondering what 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 is what's going to happen what's going on uh maybe maybe you're dealing with stuff in your own life in your own home maybe your relationship with your spouse you're you're just you're just filled with anxiety and you just, you, you don't know what to do. There, God is always doing something. He's always moving. He, he's in the business of taking that which is ugly, that which is broken, that which is even evil, and he's turning it around. This is the point of Malachi. All of Malachi, all the way through verse 15, it, is, it, it sounds pretty bleak for the Hebrew people uh, who were allowed to enter into uh, Jerusalem and to build up the walls and build up the temple and and their hearts weren't even engaged in this. Throughout the Bible, we see this. God is doing a work in the midst of people. After Adam and Eve sinned, and they, and they gave, Adam and Eve had you know, Cain and then Abel, you were introduced to these two brothers who were worshiping the Lord. That's how, that's how we're introduced to them in chapter 4 of Genesis. They're worshiping the Lord. And, and what we discover is that God... Uh, he, he paid attention to, he looked upon Abel with favor instead of Cain. And Cain, out of a fit of jealousy, killed and murdered his brother. We see this with Noah. Noah had three sons. And uh, his, his, 
one son, Ham, after the flood, like think about all the crazy things that Noah and his family were able to experience. God literally judged the earth and flooded it, and it took about 110 years to build the ark. Noah's sons and their wives, like they saw all of that. They experienced all of that. And even after the flood, Noah had a little too much wine, and his son Ham demonstrated that he did not walk in the ways of his father Noah. Or you think uh, Isaac and, and Rebecca, like we were introduced to their sons at the, at the very beginning of Malachi. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. But, but when we engage their story, what do we learn of them? Like, the, yeah, Jacob was a mess. <laughs> he, 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 literally, his name literally meant heel grabber. He came out of the womb, you know, just, just not a really nice nice person. But Esau, when it came to the worship of, of God, if you pay attention, Jacob, there was a fear that Jacob had of, of Yahweh. And not just the petrified, uh, cowering kind of fear, but there was this reverence. Even with all of his flaws and, and, and just this messy life, there was a distinction between Jacob and Esau. Esau was willing to sell off his birthright. Esau was just going through the motions. And then when we come to Malachi, we see the same thing. We see the same thing. You have these group of people, these Hebrew men and women, and their priests who were just going through the motions. And God said early on in Malachi, I wish you would just lock the doors. Just lock the doors of the temple. Don't even show up. Why do you even bother? Just, just don't even come. Don't waste your time. It's not worth it. Just lock the doors. And then we come to verse 16. Before we look at verses 13 through 15. I just want to explain. There are three types of fears. Now, there's multiple types of fears that, are, that we learn about in the Bible. But in reference to how we respond to God, there are three types of fears. I'm not going to bore you with the, the Hebrew words and stuff. I just want you to, I just want you to know what they are. Uh, the first is like a type of, this is the type of fear that's like you, you feel this dread, right? You just, you, it just, you're just overwhelmed with this fear that results in dread. I kind of think it was similar to, it's kind of similar to the kind of fear that Isaiah experienced when he was in the, like he had this vision of the throne room of God and he hears the angels worshiping you know, and, and just celebrating who God is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and the foundations are you know, shook at the, at the sound of, of, of these voices from these angels. And, and, and Isaiah experienced the worship of Yahweh. And Isaiah's response to that was, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, meaning I should be dead right now. I think he probably experienced dread. Uh, there's another type of fear that we learn about that people have in response to, to God, and it's terror, absolute terror. Uh, maybe it's the kind of fear that, that Lot experienced when, when he knew that Sodom and Gomorrah would be utterly destroyed by the judgment of God. And then there is another type of fear, which is reverence and respect. The thing that sets apart the people that we read about in Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, and the people that we read about in verse 16, is fear. But it's a reverent fear. It's a response to God in love, but also recognizing who He is. Like, He is awesome. He is amazing. 
He spoke the galaxies into existence. And not only is that lip service for these, for these individuals in verse 16, it, it, it's not lip service. It's, it's, they're standing on this truth. They're standing on the reality that this is the God that they worship, and they love him for it. But, but for everybody, everybody that's described all the way up to verse 15, it's lip service. It kind of sounds like when you read the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, there will be people who will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did this and this in your name. We taught in Sunday school. We preached sermons. We cast, it, we cast out demons. We healed. We did all that in your name. And Jesus will respond to them. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is what Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, in comparison to verses 16 and following, this is what that, that reminds me of. So the question that we're forced to ask ourselves is, who are we? <laughs> How do we respond? The response to reading through Malachi and preaching through Malachi and sitting through these sermon series is, how do we respond to a God who is real? How ought we to respond? This word that's used for reverence and respect, this word for fear, uh, is used in Proverbs 3, verse 7, which uh, I'll just point out to you. Do not be wise in your own eyes, right? That's, that's the guys, that's the priests in Malachi all the way up through verse 15 of chapter 3. That's the, that's the men, that's the women taking on spouses who didn't believe in Yahweh, who didn't worship Yahweh. Uh, they were wise in their own eyes, but we're told, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil revere the Lord and turn away from evil. Know who he is, and in response of knowing who he is, you will be repulsed by your sin. It doesn't mean you're going to stop sinning. What it means is you're disgusted by your sin. Anybody disgusted by your sin? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Experienced this week uh, sinning and then wondering to yourself, why in the world did I do that? Why did I say that? Why do I keep doing that? The, the next verse, Proverbs chapter 9 Verse 10. Let's read this together. Ready? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Yeah, I, I talked though. It's not this, the word for knowledge here is not the same word that's used for like Abraham knowing Sarah in an experiential way. But the point is the same. You know, the fear of the Lord, revere, revering the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of him, knowing him. Not just paying lip service to him, knowing him uh, is, is insight. And so that sets the stage for this. So verse 13. So I hope you have a Bible. Uh, I want you to see this. I'm going to keep asking you to take out your Bible. It doesn't matter what version of the Bible you have, whether it's the ESV, the NIV, whatever. Um, you, you have good translators who've worked on a whole slew, a smorgasbord of different translations of Bibles. So bring out your Bible, use an app, whatever. Use the Bible that's under your chair. Uh, I want you to see this. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, the, this, is, this is that group of people. This is, the, this is the same group of people that we're introduced to in chapter 1. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. <laughs> Would you say, so this is the last kind of protest. This is the last kind of question they throw at Yahweh. But you say, how have we spoken against you? L look at this. You said it is vain to serve God. 
What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? This is what's going on here. He says, these people are saying, why should we serve him? Why should we obey his commandments? Why should we turn away from the pleasures of this world in light of what we're so, you know, what he so supposedly is promising us you know, beyond this world? That's what they're asking. Why should we serve him? Why should we obey him? And why should we turn from sin? That's, that's these people. These people who are using religious language to, to respond to God in this way. It, this is why Malachi is so timely for our day and age today. For the church. I'm not talking about the world. The way the world behaves, the way, the way your neighbors who don't know Jesus behave, the way your coworkers behave, you should expect them to behave that way. They're lost. But for those who, are, who claim to be a part of the church, who have been introduced to Jesus, who know something of his word, Malachi is relevant for us today. Like, we might not say it this way. We might not say, what's the point in serving him? But we might act that way. We might not say, well, what's the point in obeying his word? In fact, I think if I polled each and every one of you, each of you would say, yeah, we should obey the word of the Lord. But how often do we reject the word of the Lord? I know what the Bible says, but, I, but I'm going to do this anyway. I, I know what, what the Word of God says about marriage, but we're, it's 2023. I'll pick and choose what I want to obey and what I want to honor, and, and I'll, 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 I'll leave the rest for, for whatever. That's what these people were doing. All, from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 3, verses, through verse 15. So why should we listen why should we serve? Why should we listen and obey to the Word of God? And why should we turn from sin? And he goes, and that's not, they don't stop there. They have the audacity to continue. He says, and, and now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. You know what they're doing here? This is what they're doing. I'm going to spend the rest of our time on verse 16 and following, because that's super encouraging. But what these people are doing is they are assuming, they're assuming that the patience of God, the patience of God regarding their sin, they're assuming that he is indifferent. Just because God didn't judge you today when you woke up this morning for sins that you committed tomorrow, or I mean yesterday, do not assume that he's indifferent to your sin. His patience is long-suffering, and the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that his patience ought to lead us or propel us to repentance. And so that's what's going on here. And, and God's answer to their statement about the justice of God, about the indifference of God, is, is in verse 16 and following, which I find so, so encouraging. And so here are my two points. I'm going to tell you what they are right now, so that way you know where, where we're going. The first is this. Those who fear the Lord belong to the Lord. It's very simple. It's not rocket science. This is what we learned from Malachi. Those who fear the Lord. I, I think your fear of God can include, like, terror, <laughs> 
But the fear that's being talked about here, as I mentioned, it's a reverent fear. It's a, I love him. I love him. I, I am disgusted when I, when, I, when, my, when I do things that do not follow after his heart. I don't want to be that person. I want to be a person that honors him. That's the kind of fear that's talking, being talked about here. Those who fear the Lord belong to the Lord. Uh, here's what we learn of them. Verse 16. Those who fear the Lord, what did they do? They spoke to one another. That's what they did. Like, the, if you, if, out of a reverent love, respect, out of reverent worship of Yahweh, understanding who He is or knowing something of who He is, it, it will compel you to talk about Him. What, what do you do about those things you care about? How many of you are football fans in this room? How many of you like to talk about football? Except if it's the Broncos, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm all about talking about the Eagles right now. So, um, <laughs> That's his little job. Uh, <laughs> there's Philadelphia Hoagies coming. I see it in the future. Uh, maybe a Super Bowl. I don't know. Okay, so like, like we talk about the things that we care about, right? And if it's not football, what are we like? I love cycling. Uh, how many of you like movies? Really? Like, okay. <laughs> like we talk about the stuff that we that we that we care about. These people. In verse 16, those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. We're not told what they said to one another. We, we don't need to know what they said to one another. They celebrated this God with one another. That's what they did. Like the, you know, reading the Bible, I'm like, can you believe what I just saw? Can you believe what I just saw in the Bible? Like, like God tells us that we are going to, like, that the Son of Righteousness is going to appear and we will frolic like calves released from the stall. Like, do you know what that means? Like, there's coming a day where He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's coming a day where the death will be no more. All, like, all of this. And the Son of Righteousness, who could that be? Well, it's Jesus. Like, they talked to one another about, because they feared Yahweh. They feared Him. And then, Look at, in, in contrast to the people that are described from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 3, verse 15, in contrast to those people, the Lord, look, look at this in your Bible, the Lord paid attention and heard them. He paid attention and he heard them. What did he hear? He heard them, obviously, we can assume they prayed to him. But that's not all that's being talked about here. He paid attention to their worship. He's like, now they belong to me. They know me. A.W. Tozer said something that stuck with me, and I'll just paraphrase it. He said something to the effect of this. He said, and A.W. Tozer, if you weren't, he, he was a pastor. He was a pastor who was on his face for half a day, every day praying. He, was, he, he wrote some books. Um, you should look them up. They're really good. Uh, but he he said that what we conceive to be God, what we conceive for God to be like is the most important thing about us. You see, like in Malachi, verse 13 through 15, what did these people conceive God to be like? Well, he's not judging us for our sins, so we might as well just engage. God is just, he's just indifferent to, to our actions. But the people in verse 16, they feared the Lord 
and they spoke about him with one another, and God paid attention and he heard them. He heard them. See, like, their, their understanding of who God was shaped what they said, and it shaped how they acted. That's what, that's what genuine faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ will do. It will, uh, it will shape the, the, you know, your language, and it will affect the way you live your life. I mean, if you don't believe me, <laughs> we spent like 36 or 37 weeks in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Read the Sermon on the Mount. And you'll see what Jesus says about paying lip service to him versus really living in light of who you are, you know, as a Christian, what, what, that, what that looks like. And so, those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Right. Those, just contrasting, those in chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, for them, worship was, it was commercial. It was, this is their view of God. This was their view of God. It could be your view of God. I, I don't know. I'm not, not collectively, just something to think about. God, in my worship, in my showing up on Sunday, and me reading the Bible and praying and you know, maybe not saying as many curse words, I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. Right? So that's how they viewed worship. They viewed it in a commercial sense. What can I get out of it? The people that are described in verse 16... They delighted in, in, in Yahweh. It wasn't, it wasn't like, what can I get out of it? It was like, man, this is like, this God is a treasure to us, and we're willing to get rid of, we're willing to sell it all so that we can have this God. Like, he, he is a treasure. They, the, the difference between uh, the people in verses 13 through 15 and the people in verses 16 and following is the people in verses 16 and following, the, those who fear the Lord, delight in the Lord. They delight in him. I, was, I had coffee with somebody who, who is just, just kind of trying to figure out life, doesn't know Jesus yet, and we're hanging out. And I just, I, said, I explained to, to this person, I said, you know, it, this, this might sound weird to you, but uh, I am a Christian hedonist. And, uh, and some of you are like, what? <laughs> Hold on, I'll explain. Uh, what's that? What's a Christian hedonist? Well, hedonism, secular hedonism, is you find your joy in stuff, uh, devoid of God. Christian hedonism, which John Piper coined, is you find your, your pleasure and your joy rooted in God, and everything else finds its place as a result. So, so I delight in God, and as a result of, of delighting in God and finding my pleasure in Him, I also uh, can experience joy in my marriage. I can experience joy, and, you know, and you just fill in the blank. Like these people delighted in the Lord. They recognized, in verse 16, they recognized that their, their purpose, their identity, everything about themselves could be discovered and was founded and was rooted in the God who made them in their image. And the tr that's the same is true for you. Your identity doesn't come in hunting or, or, or your job, or your bank account. It, it, it's found in this God that these people in verse 16 feared. They revered him. They understood who he was. 
And they worshipped him as a result, out of love. Uh, one commentator said this, the fear of God affects both, speaking of these individuals, affects both their attitude toward him and their actions before him. So the question that I, I think that we're forced to ask as we wrap this whole sermon series up is, is how is your relationship with the Lord affecting what you say or shaping what you say, and how is it affecting and shaping what you do? It goes back to last week's sermon. The invitation is, will you just... Will you just test me on this? This is what the Lord is saying here. Will you just test me on this? I made you in my image. Don't you think that your purpose and your identity is found in who I am? And if you just test me on that, if you just run to me, if you just come to me, if you just, if you just come near to me, I will come near to you. You'll experience the purpose that you were made for. You'll experience a joy and a contentment that you were made for. No, it doesn't mean you're going to have a happy face all the time. It may mean that you're dead by this afternoon because of a heart attack or a disease that you were not aware of. But what it does mean, what it does mean is that you were born to know this God. And if you just test him on this, Test them with all of it. Test it with, test it with your finances. Test it with your time. Test it with your energy. Test it in, in the context of your family. And then discover what a delight it is to know this God. So they spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention to them. Yeah, and here, here's... <laughs> Here's the thing that also contrasts these people, these God-fearing people, with the people we learned about all through Malachi. Here's, here's what sets, set them apart. These people understood, in verses 16 and following, those who feared the Lord, they understood that God saw them. He sees them. Like, brothers and sisters, like God sees you. Whatever's going on in your, your family, in your life, He sees that. He sees that. One, one person said this. I thought this was so good. I want to share it with you. Uh, every time, and, and he said this in response to the idea that God sees us, every time a woman respects her body and rejects intimacy with another man before marriage, God sees and honors that decision. Every time a husband refuses to engage in immoral talk at work or, to seduce in, or, or be seduced into looking at pornography, God recognizes it. Every time you avert gossip, gossip, or gossip Every time you bear the burden of an injustice and refuse to lash out, God sees that. Every time a family opens their home to be a Christian witness in the world or to the world, God sees that. Every time you share the gospel with a lost family member or friend, God sees that, whether or not anyone else does. He sees it. He sees it. Hey, these people, they probably sang Psalm 139. Uh, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Think about that. Like, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and show, even in the grave, behold, you are there. You're there. I, you see me. Like, listen, Christian, God sees you. He sees you. He's intimately acquainted with you. He knows every hair that's on your head, or the lack thereof. Um, he sees it. He knows what's going on in your heart. He sees that. And all the stuff that you do it, to honor him, 
he sees that too. He writes it in a book of remembrance. It's not like there, there are multi, there's different books that, are, that we learn about in the Bible. There's the, you know, there's the books that will be open on the day of judgment. There's a book that, that we learn about in Isaiah that the, all the judgments against the wicked are written in that book. But this book, this book of remembrance, you know who this book is for? It's for you. It's for me. Every, every deed, every righteous deed, every, every step in obedience is written down in that book. And it will be, those, those things that we've done, like, he, will, he will recognize us for those things. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, those, uh, I'm just paraphrasing it, but those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars of heaven. But the wicked, they'll be raised to everlasting contempt and shame. Like God sees everything that we do. It, and look, it gets even better. Like he said, verse 17, and not only does he see you, but you're his. The God of all creation who spoke the galaxies into existence for those who fear him. And how do you know that you fear him? You've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We'll get to Jesus in a minute. But uh, he, he, he claims that you're his. Uh, verse 17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. Do you, do, do you hear that? In, in Exodus chapter 19, God said to Israel, look, you will be my treasured possession if you, if you obey and keep my commandments. Well, they didn't do that. We've talked about that throughout the sermon series. And then you, here we see it again. He says, uh, you will be mine. You are mine. And, I, I, and you, I'm making you my treasured possession. You're my treasured possession. You know where else we see that? We see that in the New Testament. We see that language in the New Testament describing you, Christian, describing me. And let's go to the next slide, First Peter chapter 2. Let's, let's read this together. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's you! Like, yeah, that's me. Hey, you are a chosen race. Right out of Malachi chapter, chapter 3. You are a royal priesthood. That's us. We are a holy nation. That's us. We are a people for his own possession, meaning we're his treasured possession. He treasures you. He treasures you. That's why I keep going back to Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8 because for me, uh, when I read Romans chapter 8, I see treasured all over that, all over that chapter in the Bible. He treasures me. He treasures me. Especially those latter, those latter verses in chapter 8. He treasures me. And, and, and so, in response to that, verse 18, then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Who are the wicked? They're pretty religious in chapter 1 all the way through the end of uh, chapter 3, verse 15. What, what marks them, what separates them from, from the righteous? They fear the Lord. They're speaking with one another. And their fear of the Lord shapes the way they live their lives. This, this will make so much more sense when you read, the New, read some of the things that Jesus says in the New Testament. Like our, so 
let me just be clear, our faith in Jesus Christ, our, you know, if you're a Christian in, the, in this room, and I'm assuming that most of you, if not maybe even all of you, are Christians in this room, you, the, the reason why you're going to heaven is not what you do, it's, it's because of the actions of Jesus Christ, a person, the God-man who lived the life that you could never live and died a death that you deserve. Like, that is, that is the reason why you will go to heaven. Not because of anything you do. Remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the what? Poor in spirit. What does that mean? You come to the cross with empty hands. You have nothing, nothing to bring in terms of your own righteousness to God's table of righteousness. There is nothing that will warrant God to say, oh, you know what? You're better than most of the people, so you should come to heaven. Like, that's not going to happen. Jesus is the only perfect righteous person who live the life that we could never live. But the evidence that you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is that your life is changing. Your appetites are changing. Why? Because you went from being spiritually dead to now you're spiritually alive. And last I checked, anything that's living moves. <laughs> right? And, and, and it reproduces and, and, and it engages. And, right? So that's, that's the point here. Like Those who fear the Lord, they're alive. They're alive. And we, we, the, the reason why he's going to make us his treasured possession, and the reason why we are his treasured possession, just because I want you to see this also in verse 17, the second part of verse 17, I will spare them as a man spares his son. What's he talking about there? It's mercy. It's mercy. That is the only reason why we get to heaven. That's the only reason why he calls us his treasured possession. It's mercy. Then once more you will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. And then we come to verse four, or chapter 4, verse 1. Those who belong to the Lord, this is, my, this is my second point, those who belong to the Lord will enjoy the salvation of the Lord. So those who fear the Lord belong to the Lord, and those who belong to the Lord will enjoy the salvation of the Lord. Period. Like all roads lead to God. But only one leads to him as father. The rest of them lead to him as judge. And so, uh, so how do we get there? Well, Malachi is pointing us in that direction. First verse, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. You know what that's talking about? There's a judgment coming. Hey, hate religious people who, are, who, who, who say, um, what's the point of, of serving him? What's the point in obeying him? Why, why should we deny the, you know, the fleeting pleasures of sin on this side of eternity you know, when, when God seems to be passive? Oh, he's not passive. His judgment is coming. His judgment is coming. And, and all who, who have not experienced or had their sins atoned for through the blood of the Lamb of God uh, will experience his fire. I said this uh, last week and the week before. The fire of God's judgment came upon the, 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 the refiner's fire, the, the one, the messenger, John the Baptist pointed to, Jesus Christ. The fire of God's wrath fell upon him in your place and in my place. But it's going to fall upon those also who have never placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And it's coming. It's burning like an oven. Meaning, he, at this point in time, he is, he is relenting 
so that all would respond to him in faith. You, you don't believe me? Romans chapter 2, verse, verses 4 and 5. Look, look at this. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness, speaking of God, and restraint and patience? <laughs> so, so God is, you know, we are experiencing his kindness, his restraint and patience. You want to know what's going on in America today? God's kindness, his restraint, and his patience. That's what's happening. You want to know why we're not blown to ashes yet? Because of God's kindness, his restraint, and his patience. I'm haunted by what Billy Graham said that one time in a sermon. If God doesn't judge America for her sin, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. It is God's kindness and his restraint and his patience. You want to know what's keeping you alive right now for, for you who are just in, your, in sin and you refuse to repent of it? His kindness, his restraint, and his patience. So do not think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It's coming. But for those who are categorized in verse 16, verse 2 of chapter 4 is for you. It, for, for those of you who have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, verse 2 of chapter 4 is for you. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves released from the stall. Amen? Like that, that's good news. That is so good news. Like the sun of righteousness. Who, what or who is the sun of righteousness? The sun of righteousness is a person. It's a per he's a person. He is the Lord our righteousness, Jeremiah 23. Uh, this is good news because the Son of Righteousness is the Son of God, who is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, which the messenger spoken of in chapter 3 pointed all of Israel to, this Jesus who is the Son of God and the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is good news because the Son of Righteousness is the resurrection and the life. He's making all things new. We're promised that when he does make all things new, that's when he will wipe away every tear that stains our eye. But not yet. This is good news because the Son of Righteousness is the one Revela the, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 6 describes. I, I, the words are not on the screen, but I just want you to hear this. Speaking of Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins, by his blood, and made us a kingdom priest to his God and, and Father. That's us. Somebody wrote this in light of verse 2. As the rays of the sun spread light and warmth. I don't know who wrote this. But as the rays of the sun spread light and warmth over the earth for the growth and maturity of the plants and living creatures, so will the sun uh, of righteousness bring the healing of all hurts and wounds which the power of darkness has inflicted upon the righteous. Then they will go forth from holes and caves into which they had withdrawn during the night of suffering and where they had depth themselves concealed and skip like stalled calves which are driven from the stall to pasture. You know, I don't know anything about cattle ranching. I like eating steak. That's all I know about it. Had steak last night. Texas Roadhouse is awesome. So, um, but what I, but my, the, the mental picture that I have of this is picture a calf in darkness. Picture him with no freedom, no ability to move, and then all of a sudden, 
all of a sudden the lights you know come through that cave of darkness or whatever and you and the shackles are broken and you drive that 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 calf out into uh, the, the green pasture where the sun is shining my guess is you will see a frolicking calf i don't know but that's kind of what i what i envision i don't know what it looks like for keith miller to frolic uh and the son of righteousness. But I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not like into dancing, but I guarantee you when Jesus comes, I am shouting and I am dancing. Like he is coming. Like this is the description of, of all who place their faith and trust in Jesus. This is us. We will go out frolicking like calves from the stall. And, you, and it goes on, you shall tread down the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. Meaning we'll on some level, I don't know how this, what this looks like, but on some level we'll take part in the judgment. At least we'll be judging angels, we're told. But that's not what I want you to focus on. Like, this is good news. We will be, like, all that, all the stuff that holds us down, all, you know, <laughs> age, we're, we're all getting older, right? The mortality rate in Wyoming is 100%. We're all going to die. Uh, we're, dealing with, we're dealing with diseases and disappointments and broken promises and you name it. Like some of you probably didn't want to get out of bed this morning. Maybe because it was like frigid outside or maybe it's just you're just depressed. There's coming a day where the sun of righteousness will shine and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and all that plagues us under the curse of sin will be removed. And we sang about this. We sang about today. We sang about it. I don't know how, how much you think about the words that we sing, but we sang about, like the song, The Lion and the Lamb. Our God is, a lamb, is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. So, open up the gates. Make the way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Right? We sang that. We sang that. Living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, the grave has no claim on me. We sang that, right? We sang that. That's, that's Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. And then in Christ alone, the worship team, you can come up. Like in Christ alone, we're going to sing this. We're going to sing this in like a minute or two. No guilt in life no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, so Malachi begins with, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? That's a question that we should think about and process. But in response to that, listen to Jesus' words. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. They shall be mine says the Lord. In the day when I make my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. You want to know how you can respond to this message? Test the God who says, come to me and I will come to you. Run to the Jesus who says, my burden is life. 
and I will give you rest. I catch them on that. And if there are sins that you have not, or that you just decided, I'm not repenting of, I'm not turning from it, because for some reason you've bought into the lie that that will offer you more pleasure than the God who made you in his image, maybe today is the day to repent and turn from that. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.